Hey friends, I hope you're all staying as safe and healthy and comfortable as possible, and that you're taking care of all the people and pets and plants that are important to you. Yesterday I was at the grocery store and I was in the bread aisle, and I did that thing where you park your carriage and step away from it to go get something off a shelf. And in this case, I was getting a package of English muffins. And I picked up the English muffins and I turned around and there was a strange man putting his groceries in my cart. And he looked at me, and I looked at him, and I looked at the items already in the cart to make sure it was definitely my cart. And I saw nine gallons of spring water and I knew it was mine because I'm the only ding-dong with nine gallons of spring water. And that fill up the majority of the grocery cart. And I said to the strange man, who looked to be in his maybe late 50s, early 60s, I, I looked at him and I pointed at my cart and I said, uh, that's me. Now notice I didn't say, uh, that's mine. And I didn't because I felt like that would have been a little aggressive. And also, it wouldn't have been true because I hadn't paid for my groceries yet. And the strange man looked at me and said, huh? And I said, uh... And right at that moment, a woman pushing another grocery cart walked by and said, That's not our cart! And the strange man said, Oh! And he took his bananas and whatever the heck else he'd mistakenly put in my cart out and quickly ran away, embarrassed. And he shouted, Sorry! And I don't know why I did this, but I smiled at him and winked and loudly said, I will not be paying for your groceries, sir! I don't think the man found it as funny as I hoped he would. Folks, you're listening to the People Are the Enemy podcast. I'm the host of the show. My name is Andy Mascola. Hello! There are no ads on this program, and there is no Patreon set up for it. The only thing I've ever asked of listeners is if you love this show, and if you'd like to help support it and myself monetarily, and get yourself or the reader in your life some exciting fiction, please consider purchasing any or all of my books. I'm the author of 11 novels that are all currently available in both paperback and ebook formats worldwide via Amazon. And if you don't use Amazon, you can find and purchase all of my titles in ebook format at Google Play. Just search my last name, which is spelled M A S C O L A. That's how you'll find me on Google Play. If you've already purchased any or all of my books, thank you, thank you, thank you. I sincerely appreciate your generous patronage. And with all that out of the way, here's the quirky theme song. People are the enemy listeners. This is episode 301 of the greatest ding dang hot doggin' podcast you ever heard in your beautiful life. And you are now rocking with the best. And that's me. Get into it now. Hey, hey, you say. Hey, hey, you say. Let's clap now. Hey, hey, you say. Hey, hey, you say. Who needs a nurse who called the hearse? 
Come on, baby. Who lift the curse? Come on. Who lift the curse? Right? Give us a break. Man on the telephone will never let me. Man on the telephone. You say. Alright. Let me take it down. We gotta get down to business. I love it. But I got a show to do. Do you know that song? I feel like it's more regional. That was uh, the band Papa's Fritas with the song Hey Hey You Say. I think it was uh, like, came out late 90s. Band was from Somerville, Massachusetts. If you don't know, I'm a New England guy. I grew up with a lot of Boston radio. And that song got some alternative uh, radio play. Remember when they used to call it alternative rock? <laughs> yeah, Papa's Fritas. From Somerville, Massachusetts. I love that song. I hope you like it. How you doing out there? How's everything been? Are you ready for Halloween? I'm trying to get ready. And when I say I'm trying to get ready, I, the only thing I have to get in terms of preparedness, oh, well, is in addition to the fun size candy bars, is uh, I'd like to get uh, our dog, Lola, a costume. And we're thinking, when I say we, I mean my wife, myself, and our daughter, are thinking what would be appropriate is a little, a little fairy costume with, you know, little fairy wings. You think she'd look so cute, you know? A little pink tutu, maybe with fairy wings? <laughs> and I tried to go to a spirit Halloween store, one of the 17 spirit Halloween stores that are open in my city. They seem to have, like, occupied every vacant building as I'm sure you've probably seen if you live in a high-density area with a lot of vacant buildings <laughs> this time of year. They throw a Spirit Halloween banner over it. And, uh, yeah, all they had were a couple, like, they had just, like, a, like an end cab. If, you never, if you've never worked retail, you may not know what an end cab is, but that's that, you know, um, basically, you know, the end of a row of uh, a shelving. You know what I mean? The very the very end that kind of faces outward. But they had like one single end cab of uh, of costumes for pets. And they were just basically t-shirts. You know what I mean? Kind of like Happy Halloween, you know. Or a little pumpkin t-shirt, you know, that you put on your dog. But uh, no, I think she needs a fairy costume because she is a goodwill, a fairy of goodwill of sorts, our dog. The other morning I was walking her and... Uh, there's this beautiful dog, short-haired, I think he's like a French bulldog, or at least part French bulldog. And his name is appropriate, it's Casanova, and he is definitely that. But uh, he sees Lola coming from about 100 feet away, and Casanova will lie down on his belly <laughs> and not budge until he gets a kiss from Lola. She gets so excited. So there goes, yeah, Casanova, 100 feet away, and his poor owners, man and a woman, Trying to get Casanova up, you know. Come on, Cass, come on. It's 6.30 a.m. The sun is just coming up. And I'm approaching, and I said, uh, I said, I know what he needs. He needs a kiss, as if I'm going to do it. <laughs> that would be funny. I walk up and give the dog a big smooch. 
right on his dog mouth. <laughs> the owner's probably be shocked. But yeah, no, Lola comes over, does a little sniff sniff, gives him a little kiss, and of course Casanova stands right up, and his tail is like zipping back and forth, and Lola's tail is, you know, zipping back and forth, because he's so excited. And he does that thing like, you know, it's like he doesn't, uh, he's not aggressive. He stands perfectly still as if like, oh, I'm, I'm accepting my reward here. <laughs> you know? But Lola, she's she's like, all right, now let's play. And she's, you know, jumping here and there and everywhere. And it's kind of like I have to, uh, she's on a leash, obviously. And I have to say, no, no, honey, we'll, we'll see Cass later. You gave him his kiss and we'll go along, you know, we move along. But uh, yeah, that's what she does. She's a sweetie. She loves people. She's sweet to everybody. It, sometimes it takes a, a few minutes. Last night we had a party. We had a, a couple over uh, from my wife's work and uh, their significant others. And I thought, oh no, my little, my, my dog's going to go ape s when these people come over. Because <laughs> she's, you know, she's uh, protective of her home, you know. But she eventually gets used to people. That's kind of her thing, you know. So folks will come over. And she'll bark like crazy. But after, you know, they, they kind of get down on her to her level, you know, maybe they squat down and they hold out their hand and she gets a good smell of their shoes. You know, if they happen to have pets, she'll smell that, I'm sure, you know. And she'll be cool with them, you know. And she was, and she got she got uh, used to people quite quite quickly last night, which was nice. It was only about three three minutes maybe of barking. <laughs> which is a lot, believe me. It's but it's better than seven. And uh, they were, they were used to it. My wife went all out for this party. She loves to entertain. She loves to cook. She loves to prepare wonderful, wonderful food. And uh, she made this charcuterie board. And if you don't know what a charcuterie board is, it's uh, sort of like you know, it, I, I guess it could be square. The one that we have is is rounded. I think my wife might have a couple different variations, but. People tend to make these boards with uh, appetizers where they'll do like, maybe a board will have um, some cubes of cheese and then maybe like a little pile of olives and then um, maybe some uh, cream cheese with marmalade over it and like a, you know, and then some crackers to dip in it, you know, and then some pepperonis, you know, things like that. But my wife did a charcuterie board last night. That was an all-dessert charcuterie board. Now, this is my kind of charcuterie board. Am I saying that properly? Charcuterie? Charcuterie? Does it matter? I don't know. And this board had, oh my goodness, it had Oreo cookies. They were, these were the Oreos with the uh, the orange in the middle, you know, the, the holiday Oreos. It had uh, dark chocolate-covered espresso beans, which I've been eating a bunch of. <laughs> you might, might be able to tell, because... <laughs> I'm a little fired up. What else did they have? Oh, these were great. She got these at Trader Joe's. These um, maple maple cookies. Now I say maple cookies, they're like the sandwich cookies. So imagine like a vanilla sandwich cookie, but inside is like vanilla cream. I'm sorry, maple flavored cream. Oh my gosh, these were amazing. And those came from Trader You-Know-Who's. What else was on that board? Oh, you know what else she made? This was the coup de gras. These were incredible. And I don't know where she got the recipe for these or how she figured out how to make these, but she gets 
and I might have even mentioned these on the show before, so forgive me if I have. But what you'll get are these, you know, like the little, the little um, pretzel. They look like little pretzel tennis rackets. Can you picture that? <laughs> you know what I mean? You know, like a, a tennis racket is sort of like a grid. They're, they're little pretzel, you know, small ones about the size of... Shoot, I'm terrible with this whenever I say about the size of... I realize that. It's not good. Why don't I just say they're about, they're about one inch by one inch, okay? <laughs> Instead of trying to compare it to something. But yeah, little, you know, little, little pretzel squares, like little grids. And then what she does is she takes a Rolo and then she softens it. I think what she does is she puts these all out on like, on a, like a cookie tin and then puts a Rolo on each one and then warms them so that the, the Rolos melt a little bit. And then she'll, she sandwiches it between another, another pretzel. And then she takes that and she dips the whole thing in chocolate and lets it harden into like a, a, a square. So it's like a chocolate square. And when you bite into it, obviously you get the wonderful milk chocolate on the outside, but the, the pretzel sandwich on the inside with the Rolo at the center. Holy moly. Oh my God, these things. I'm literally putting my hands to my temples and running my hands over my, my head. I'd say over like through my, my fingers through my hair, but there's not a lot there. <laughs> just remembering these oh my gosh so good speaking of remembering i had this memory this week because i'm reading this book and it's called news of the world and i don't know if you know this book i'll tell you who it's by hang on a second let me go get it real quick hang on i'll be right back stay right there don't go anywhere i've got it over here here it is okay i might have told you i do this book club at work and every month we read a book Last month's book was um, Born a Crime. It was the memoir by uh, Trevor Noah, the fellow who'd hosted The Daily Show on Comedy Central. And then at the end of the month, what the group does is we all uh, volunteer a book, or we recommend a book, rather. And then what I do is I collect the recommendations via email. And then I email out an anonymous list, and everybody votes on which book the group would like to read for next month. And the book that gets the most votes is the one we read. So there are about, what, 12 people in the group right now. And this book, News of the World, by Paulette Giles, got five votes. And then there were obviously ones or twosies for the other books. So this is the book we're reading. But uh, it's a Civil War story, or post-Civil War, so it takes place in, in America. And it's... Uh, it's about a Civil War captain, or former Civil War captain, whose occupation is going from town to town across the country, reading, literally reading the news of the world to people. And of course, there's cowboys mentioned, and it's, you know, wild territory. A lot of America was, uh, you know, unsettled at that point, as you can imagine. That's only part of the story. I won't give away too much of it. Uh, that's about as much as I'll give away, because I'm still... I'm only about, you know, what, 80 pages into it. But uh, but the thing that, that it made me remember in reading it was having to learn this song as a little boy called The Streets of Laredo. <laughs> and I say, like, little boy. Like, I was, like, 9 or 10, like, in, in elementary school when we had to learn this, and it was literally in a songbook. And I keep saying literally, I know, but... It, when you hear the lyrics, it's, like, very adult <laughs> like, and really morose. 
And, uh, yeah. I'm gonna read them to you, just because you'll get a kick out of this. But as you, And I can't imagine, like, like, a kid reading this today. You know what I mean? It just, it was so dark. This is how the song went. As I walked out in the streets of Laredo, as I walked out in Laredo one day, I saw a young cowboy wrapped all in white linen. Wrapped in white linen as cold as the clay. And I remember the teacher telling us about this song as we were learning it. And we had songbooks, right? We literally had these songs... I keep saying literally, pardon me. We had these songbooks... I can remember, like, there was, like, a drawing of, like, like a cowboy's feet kind of out of, you know, just, just in frame, but no, no body. Because it was a... Because it was a corpse! <laughs> you know what I mean? And the teacher was saying things like, Children, do you know why the, the body was as cold as the clay? And then, of course, we're like, oh, yeah, I'm like, no. And she'd say, it's because he was dead. <laughs> All right, on with the song. Next verse. Oh, beat the drum slowly and play the fife lowly. Sing the death march as you carry me along. Take me to the valley. There lay the sod over me. I'm a young cowboy, and I know I've done wrong. <laughs> Jeez, right? Can you imagine a nine-year-old singing this? Like, I remembered all the words of this damn song. I'm reading them to you now from Google, but, you know, I just don't want to give you the wrong words. But I remember this damn song. Like, in reading this book, I remember this word for word. The, the song is not mentioned in the story, by the way, this News of the World book, but just the tone of the story and obviously the setting brought all this back to me. I see by your outfit that you are a cowboy. These words he did say as I boldly walked by. Come sit down beside me and hear my sad story. Got shot in the breast and I know I must die. <laughs> you imagine these nine and ten year old boys and girls singing this, man? That was going on, man. <laughs> that explains why I like Joy Division today. <laughs> Go fetch me some water, a cool cup of water, to cool my parched lips, then the poor cowboy said. Before I returned, his spirit had left him, had gone to his maker. The cowboy was dead. <laughs> and then it returned just to the uh, the chorus, I guess. Oh, beat the drum slowly and pay, play the fife lowly. Sing the death march as you carry me along. Take me to the valley. There lay the sod over me. I'm a young cowboy. I know I've done wrong. <laughs> I don't know if they still teach that to kids. And I, I, I wonder... Have you guys, did you guys learn, like, songs that were, like, in retrospect, kind of inappropriate for, you know, the age that you learned them? I'd be curious. And and I obviously don't mean, you know, risque songs that you might hear on pop radio. You know, I'm talking about, like, learning songs in, like, uh, like chorus or something like that. I don't know. Made me think of that one. But uh, I thought I'd share that with you. I hope you guys have, a, have an excellent, excellent week. Thank you so much for listening. And at this point in the program, I'm going to hand things off to our friend. Rachel from Des Moines, and she is going to give you the char chat. So without any further ado, take it away, Rachel. Thanks, Andy. Welcome back to Rachel's Chart Chat for another week. Thanks to everyone who listened last week for the All Andy Countdown for the 300th episode. Special mention to Jeffrey from VJ Big Suit, who let me know of an Andrew A-N-D-R-U Donalds, who had a number 38 hit in 1984 with a song called Michelle, spelled M-I-S-H-A-L-E, so a lot going on over there. This week, I am kicking off a special multi-part series on a famous music compilation advertised on television known as Freedom Rock. 
man. Is that Freedom Rock? Yeah, man. <laughs> well, turn it up, man. Lord, I was born this was all over TV in the late 80s. It was originally released in 1987 by Sessions Records in partnership with Warner Special Products. The Herc's Hideaway blogspot page, um, I learned, I read, checked that out, and I learned that Sessions had done a few compilations in this theme, and they had done Get It Together in 1973 and Freedom in 1975. These had 25 and 26 songs, respectively, from the late 60s to early 70s. I was surprised to learn of this, um, and a lot of the songs were the same as what made it onto Freedom Rock. I had kind of assumed that it came out as part of like a 20th anniversary of the Summer of Love thing, or capitalizing on some late 80s interest in the hippie era, but it seems that Sessions had been putting out this kind of music for a new generation for a while. Uh, the label would go on to release further comps, Summers of Love in 1991, with more of a 60s focus and rock revival featuring the actors from the freedom rock ad on the cover in their same hippie garb also from 91. you can see the track list for these other four uh, compilations via the discogs page for sessions records but freedom rock was popular and remembered enough that multiple folks have created playlists for it on spotify ready for your listening pleasure i looked up the peak positions and week for each of the 40 hits by the original artists but in the process, I learned that there are two versions, one that has two Jefferson Airplane songs and one without, and I included those two subs for a total of 42 songs. Uh, thanks to Crap from the Past for adding the, that clarification of the two different versions on Discogs. Our first song, which made a peak position of 62, is Locomotive Breath by Jethro Tull. Uh, that was the first single from their fourth album, Aqualung which was released in 1971. Uh, the song was released as a single, but it didn't chart then, uh, not until 1976 when it was released on a Greatest Hits. So its peak week was March 20th of 76. Jethro Tull are best known for the flute in their songs, played by frontman Ian Anderson. And even though this only hit number 62, it is definitely an FM rock radio staple, and it's probably their second most known song after the title track, Aqualung itself. Uh, they did have two U.S. Uh, Top 40 hits, Living in the Past at number 11, and Bungle the Jungle at number 12. And to, to talk about Locomotive Breath itself, I don't know how well that fits in on Freedom Rock, but I'm really not mad to hear it. Uh, song that made it to number 40 on November 20th of 1971 is I'd Love to Change the World by the group 10 Years After. Uh, they were a British group. This was their only U.S. Top 40 hit, uh, but they had three other Hot 100 appearances. And by contrast to Locomotive Breath, I do think this belongs on Freedom Rock, but the lyrics make the point of view of the singer seems like he's not willing to be part of the cause. I'd love to change the world, but I don't know what to do, so I'll leave it up to you. Um, I I've not really heard this one outside of Freedom Rock. I don't remember being hearing it on the oldie station or on Classic Rock. Maybe 70s on 7? Um, I have to say I'm not really a fan, mostly due to the lyrics. It seems like he's trying to be one of these above-it-all guys and is criticizing while not taking a stand, although he does say stop the war. Uh, next up, a song that made it to number 34 on April 24th of 71 is Friends by Elton John. And it's another one I only really know of from here. Uh, you know, I knew of his few of his early hits from the oldie station, but, you know, even listening to 70 Saturday Night or when I got his greatest hits 1 and 2, it's, it's not on there. Um, so downloading it on a zip file of the Freedom Rock songs from somewhere, big quote marks, was the first time that I'd heard it. And it seems to stand up well with his other work of the era. So this was from the soundtrack of a movie also called Friends that Elton John and Bernie Taupin worked on. Uh, 
kind of before they broke out in the States. Uh, this was Elton's second U.S. Top 40 hit after your song. This one I'd say is short, sweet, and to the point. Uh, up next is Feelin' Alright by Joe Cocker. This was originally uh, released in 1969 on his debut album. It made it to number 69 on July 17th, 19th. Then it was re-released in 72 and made it to number 33 on February 12th of 72. And uh, this was originally done by Traffic. And uh, But I think Joe Cocker's version is the best. I like the groove and the tempo on there. Um, his album, David Blue album, was called With a Little Help from My Friends, and that's another big song that he's known for. Uh, this was the replacement for Jefferson Airplane's Somebody to Love after, Jeff- after Sessions lost the rights to their music. And uh, despite the moderate chart success of this one, it is a very well-known song. Uh, it's been covered a ton of times. Um, Joe Cocker's version appears in movies such as Flight and is also uh, sung by Huey Lewis in the karaoke movie Duets. Um, this one fits in with the collection for sure because Joe Cocker performed at Woodstock, including this song. Up next is Jump Into the Fire by Nilsson. That made it to number 27 on April 29th of 1972. This is from his 1971 album, Nilsson Schmilson, a.k.a. You'll Have to Speak Up, I'm Wearing a Robe. This is the second single from the album, which is a follow-up to the number one hit, Without You. So a real pivot there. At the first glance, I would say that maybe it is not a fit on the compilation, but when you hear like the quasi-tribal drumming and the wild abandon in the singing, I think it fits uh, as a part of this collection. Uh, The album version is 6 minutes 54 seconds and the single is 3.32. And this uh, now it's kind of probably best known for its use in the movie Goodfellas. Up next, the song that made it to number 26 on November 27th of 71 is One Tin Soldier, in parentheses, The Legend of Billy Jack by the group Coven. And this is 100% the type of song that would appear on something called Freedom Rock. This is a story song, which is the second most explicitly anti-war song on all of this collection. The original was by a group called the Original Cast, C-A-S-T-E. They were a Canadian folk group, and their version came out in 1969, and it hit number 34 in the U.S. and number 5 in Canada. Then it was covered by the American group Coven, with lead singer Jake Dawson for the movie Billy Jack. And my friend Kelsey had a great quote about this song. Econ 102 instructor had a bonus question worth one mark on the final, just telling us to take an ethics class and listen to one tin soldier, so he'll be the only white male baby boomer allowed to live after the revolution. Uh, Coven re-recorded this from their debut album, and then both their version and original cast kind of kept coming back in the 70s, kept recharting, so people really like this one. Up next at number 25, uh, at a peak on March 15th of 1969, is I Got a Line on You by the group Spirit. This is the first single from their second album called The Family That Plays Together, and it wasn't just a clever title, as Spirit's drummer Ed Cassidy was the stepfather of the group's lead guitarist Randy California. I don't think I've heard this one outside of Freedom Rock, but I dig it, and I'm intrigued to listen to more of their stuff. Uh, It's not necessarily a fit lyrics-wise, but the era is right and has a good heavy rock sound. Plus, someone called Randy California, that's a fit right there. I read that Spirit were supposed to play at Woodstock, um, opening for Jimi Hendrix, but their manager Lou Adler opposed it. 
And uh, Jimmy was actually the one that gave uh, the former Randy Wolf his name, Randy California, because he played with him as part of the Jimmy James and the Blue Flames group. And there was another Randy uh, that Jimmy had called Randy Texas. I Got a Line on You was Spirit's only U.S. Top 40 hit, but they had three other Hot 100 chart appearances. And Jay Ferguson of Thunder Island fame was also a member of Spirit on lead vocal and percussion. And the last song I want to mention, uh, it made it to number 23 on October 2nd of 71, is The Story in Your Eyes by the Moody Blues. This was the first single from the band's seventh album, Every Good Boy Deserves Favor, which is the lines on the treble cliff for all the uh, music theorists out there. Uh, I'd say this is a nice hard rocking song. It's got a great guitar riff and a really cool guitar solo with some fuzzy effects thrown in. And I read on Wikipedia, it was their last single to feature the Mellotron, which is an analog sampler, kind of a predecessor of the synthesizer. You know, it's a keyboard instrument closely associated with prog rock. And honestly, these songs so far seem much more proggy than psychedelic, to be honest. But uh, we'll continue to hear more of what Freedom Rock has to offer in the weeks to come. That's all from me this week. Thanks so much. Back to you, Andy. Thank you, Rachel. I love this new miniseries. I remember those Freedom Rock commercials. Some absolutely iconic songs there. This has been episode 301 of the People Are the Enemy podcast. Our theme song is Walrus Love by Nokia Ocean. You can find that song and more at pizzapuppies.bandcamp.com. My name is Andy Mascola. You can purchase my novels via Amazon and other online book retailers in both paperback and ebook formats for as little as $1.99. Thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you, Rachel from Des Moines. We love you. Peace.